Hello and welcome. You are listening to Ladies Who Genre, a podcast book club for ladies and not ladies who like to genre now and then. I'm your host, Morgan. And I'm your other host, Noelle. This is not a spoiler-free podcast, so if you've not read this episode's book and are a little bit sensitive to spoilers, please do pause the podcast now and come back after you've had a chance to read it. And this is a little trigger warning in case you need it. This book is full of violence, battle scenes, and graphic gore and sexual assaults. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it. All right. So this week we are discussing Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter. It's a fairly new book and we're super excited to talk to you about it. First up, though, let's share this week's top shelf pairing. I have picked, and I'm both nervous and excited, uh, I picked a tequila Don Julio. Ooh, Don Julio is my absolute favorite tequila and tequila is my absolute favorite liquor. That's funny. I've never had tequila. What? Are you kidding? No, not kidding. I like oh. I've had a lot of things, but not that. If you drink Don Julio right now, you can never order other tequila because it will make you want to vomit. Oh, no. Don Julio I mean, is like very good. Very good. You can drink like Patron, like you ha- but you have to drink Top Shelf from now on. Well, that's good. It's a Top Shelf pairing, right? I guess so. But the rest of us start down at the bottom. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I mean, I've gotten through most of my life before now not drinking tequila. So I'm sure that only drinking like nice stuff on the rare occasion that I do seems like a, a good... <laughs> good balance there it does seem appropriate because uh tequila can uh let's just say pep you up for it's like being enraged oh no <laughs> all right <laughs> so i saved my very first sip before before i put it in with a mixer which is absolutely what i'm doing because i don't want to get trashed but i figured i'd take my very first sip all by itself let's see how okay. we go i'm gonna wait for the sound effect no oh, it's fine and, and maybe oh. that's why it's that's Don why Julio. we do Don Julio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's fine. So normally the sound effect, if you went um for, you know, something a little bit lower on the shelf, you'd hear this noise that goes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but no, that was very, very mild. Like it has the the warm feel of any, you know, hard alcohol, yeah. but no, taste is very, very mild. I can't think of any other way to put it. Which is very unlike the effect I was actually going for, because <laughs> <laughs> in the book, they talk about uh, Masmas, which is a like kind of ceremonial coming of age manhood, like night of drinking that they do uh, with a, I think they said it was like a drink fermented from cactus. Yep. So yeah. I was like, all right, tequila it is. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great one. I, I went with Stoli, shots of vodka. Because I feel like before a giant battle sequence, which is basically what this book is, is giant battle sequences, you need some vodka <laughs> to steal yourself. <laughs> it's been a while since we recorded, Morgan. Uh, how you doing? How's things going? How are your plants? Let's talk about your plants. They are so stinking adorable. One of them is incredibly tall. And it's my, for a little while, it was my mystery plant. Remember how these were mixed herbs? So there were four herbs and I wasn't sure which one's which, but I'm like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. There was one single seed or plant or whatever that was clearly different from the other four, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because I had like 20 of the other four and then a single one. This single one, I planted it in the very middle of its grouping so that I could kind of keep an eye on whatever it turned out to be. It is now three times the height wow. of any of the other herbs. Do you know what it is? And it's got a thick stock. So 
yes, I did a bit of Googling and it's, oh, and of course, I can't think of the name, Zena, I think. Zena. Z-E-N-N-A or something close to that is a flower. It's a flower that has like kind of a, one of those ones that has like a billion little tiny petals. Oh, yeah. Mm Kind of like a carnation, but not. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that the factory that packaged these mixed herb seeds uh, had also does flowers. And I got a an exciting surprise. You're going to have to put um, uh, pictures of this on our on our Instagram so people can see what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Although some of my herbs have also gone to flower, which I don't think you're supposed to do. So I might have messed up planting. Wait, you're not what? allowed to have herbs go to flower? Is that a thing? I don't know. Isn't Aren't you supposed to eat most plants before they flower? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a green thumb. No, you person. eat, you I, eat most plants after they flower, right? Because most plants that you eat are fruit. Oh yeah, right. So and that's after flowering. So it's probably fine. Why don't you try it? Like I eat basil <laughs> after it flowered all the time. It's fine. All right. No, fair enough. I guess I'm. I don't know. I feel like I keep reading things about just, before flowering, after flowering. Cut this off. Cut that off. Just throw it on a chicken. It'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, yes, my herb chicken. <laughs> what have you been up to? How are your fishies? Uh, my fishies are absolutely fine. They are doing really well. Um, although it's very, very hot here. And it's also very smoky because California is on fire right now. Um, so there's a, a layer of weird ash on our pond that we have to go skim off every day, which sucks. Oh. But luckily we have massive, our, our pond is actually like 2000 gallons. So it has massive filters. So the fish will be fine. But yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, this seems like the one year that Washington has finally not, you know, knock on wood, gotten a, a lovely fire with you say you know, huge amounts of, I know, Why? right? Why? <laughs> but I'm going to keep on hoping that uh, instead this year is just plague and a bunch of other problems, yeah. you know, skip the fire. Yeah. Like just 2020 in general. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe like the, the state decided to take a break for that one thing. I mean, you did start the pandemic. Actually, it's not true. We started the pandemic. The, ba- the first the first person to have the pandemic was actually in the Bay Area, in my county. Did we you- didn't start the fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, shall we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the opening line of this book, and I note that we have both the opening line of the prologue and the last line here. Um, the opening line is, Queen Typha stood at the bow of Tarragon, her beached warship, and looked out at the massacre on the sands. Which, yeah, that that's telling. <laughs> yeah, some some nice uh, scene setting. We have a massacre. She's on a beached warship. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, all right. And the last line of the prologue is, "Let them think me a monster." The Dragon Queen thought, "I will be a monster if it means we survive." Yeah, so I I actually I added that last line of the prologue in here just because it's woof. I feel like the the first line is very scene setting. Oh, we're on a beach and they're it's beached, so maybe they newly arrived. You know, a massacre. Oh no, they were met with fighters. It's kind of a really good opener for how how the book starts. And oddly, that last line of the prologue almost fits with the very end of the book too. Yeah. Uh, um. Also, though. The prologue of the book has like it has stuff to do with the book, but that is like the last time you see that human being. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> the next chapter begins two hundred cycles later, or it's like one hundred eighty six or something. Yeah. But you know, years and years and years later, long after this person's dead. Yeah, let's continue our story. And and warning: this is a dragon queen. There, that's also 
it's not the last time you see dragons, but it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not a lot of dragons in this uh, Rage of Dragons book. Yeah, let me just have a moment with that. Like, literally, you call your book Rage of Dragons, you put dragons on the cover. I roll in expecting Daenerys Targaryen. I get Daenerys Targaryen in the prologue. I'm hype. I'm ready. And then that's not the rest of the book. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Although I can very much see how the dragons are important to... Critical. Yeah. To what's going on and affecting all of the humans on this kind of, a, what is it, peninsula that they're living on? Yeah. Like, I, it makes sense that they are very important to the story. Yeah. Just weirdly not there physically. One of the things about the story, though, that you just said humans that, that I found really interesting is they changed the words for, for a lot of things in our world, just a ton of things. And the classes, what they call the people, what they call different animals and stuff. But humans and horses remained humans and horses. And I thought that was oh. really interesting that they decided to keep those two words. You you do yeah. have to like not learn a whole new language to read this book, but there is a it's it's a fantasy book, peeps. Like you do have to to get down with the lingo for a while. And um, there's no, let's say, definition of most things. They just refer to it and move on and you get to figure it out from context. This is one thing that I actually found fascinating when I bought the like online Kindle version of the book. Uh -huh. They do totally have a glossary. What? So if you read the right? audiobook, you're just SOL? Because like I was sitting Absolutely. there going, what is this? How long is a cycle? What is that? What what is this thing? You know, and and you don't you don't you just don't know. You have to figure it out from, from context. And halfway, like there was two instances, and I forgot what words they were, but there was two instances in which I did not know what the word was until halfway through the book, and then they sort of defined it, and I was like, oh, oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which and I I don't know whether or not I have a problem with that. Part of it is just that's the nature of audio is yeah. that there are certain things that are going to be not present in the way that they are in a absolutely physical book yeah. or a kindle book i guess uh you know and even if they had a chapter where they read out the glossary like at the end of the book there's no way we'd have seen that or like known that that was there until the very end yeah for at sure. which point what good of that we've done Ex you know? except me because i always read the last page of the book first ah oh you <laughs> I always read every book, the last page first. The only book I didn't do that was Harry Potter 7 because I didn't want to know. Oh, that that is probably a good call. Yeah. 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 Let me just kind of lay the groundwork for those of you who've maybe read it, but it's been a little while and need to kind of a, a refresher. We have a new people, the Chosen, that have landed on a peninsula. It, it kind of sounds like an island, but... I think I think I read that it's actually a peninsula. Yeah, it's a peninsula. And they, you know, they come from the motherland and this this new people led by a queen are trying to settle this new land. They they say something about running from the cull, C U L L. But they don't define don't that. <laughs> no, I don't think they talk a lot more about that unfortunately. No. But it so they're but they're fleeing. It, they this like young tiny group of people is fleeing and they found a new land and there there are already people living on that land. Uh and therein is essentially the conflict for the rest of the book. Yep, to some extent. So that was that was a thing with me when I was reading this book. Um let me just start by saying I actually like this book, so just let me get that out before I tell you all the things that I was like, what? <laughs> to, is that 
<laughs> they're the bad guys. They're the invaders. Yeah, yeah, they are fleeing for their lives from something. And I get that. But like, we're not in a world where they have like, immigration and refugee status and stuff like these people hit the beach and start fighting and killing the people who live there. And so the people that you're reading about through this entire book are the bad guys. And for the entire book, I sat there thinking like, why am I rooting for these people? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they, they're, <laughs> what's that one skit? Are we the baddies? Yeah. Like they, they're a little bit the bad guys. But then again, I suppose that literally anybody on earth, you can probably find ways in which they were the bad guy in somebody else's story. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's very interesting because very quickly they go to, remember how I said they skipped 200 years? They go to this young, not quite a full man yet because he's going to have his coming of age soon, boy who he's just a kid in a village. It's such an interesting thing where, of course, he's not going to see it that way. And of course, nobody will have communicated this to him in that way that like hey you guys are the ones that caused all this right yeah and i think it's a good metaphor for like everyone is the hero of their own story sorry i just did a very wise nod there but i guess you can't you guys can't hear that so uh <laughs> pretend i nodded at you <laughs> if we kind of continue with our our quick story this young hero hero mm, main yeah, character no he's a hero a, yeah yeah he's he is the hero of his own story for sure yes yeah. that <laughs> we are introduced to several different characters like a girl that he's kind of sweet on his father who's helped training him to train uh training him to training him to fight <laughs> along with a higher caste boy from the same village and this is where we're kind of introduced to the concept very quickly that this is a uh, a multi-tiered you know caste society yeah it, it's pretty it's pretty delineated and it's pretty aggressive. Like there are nobles and there are higher nobles and there are lesser nobles. And then there are the peons and then there's different sects within the peons and your job and, and you can move between them based on what your job is and how good of a fighter you are and stuff like that. But the, the objective of the peons is not to be the lowest one. <laughs> like basically yeah. yeah like there's there's not a lot of movement that you can do between the the different casts but there's there's a bit like and they 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 talk about how kind of one of your life goals as one of the lessers uh, which is what kind of the the entirety of the lower casts are called is to try and get up to that next highest level if you can, which you can do through military service. They're a very military-based society. They do seem to think that there's um, a genetic difference between the lessers and the nobles. Like nobles have abilities that the lessers just cannot have. And there's definitely a size difference in them. And I, I can't figure out if that size difference is just due to like better food when they're younger, you know, because that's a thing, or if, if it's actually, actually genetic, but they, they claim that, you know, so, some of the lessers cannot ever achieve certain feats. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's very interesting to, to kind of run into this whole cast system in a story which i feel like honestly isn't that different from most other fantasies the idea of here are nobility and noble fancy families royalty what have you versus peasants living in the countryside that aren't worth the dirt they are standing on blah, 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 blah. like you know what i mean yeah something we haven't um 
touched on yet is is that this is written by a, a black author and this is a decidedly not European setting. Yeah, which is I think literally one of my favorite things about it. Yeah. It is it is so fascinating to read into a book and immediately be hit with this sense of, oh, this isn't a land of castles and forests and hunting the king's boar. And, you know, this very kind of like fantasy European setting that we're used to with wizards and princesses and what have you. They use some of the same words, but they I think that 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 thing that you mentioned earlier on with they hit you with a lot of different names of people and casts and positions that are completely foreign, part of that is to kind of like abruptly take you out of these words you're familiar with. They don't use duchess and, you know, wizard and things like that, things that you know what they are. They give you foreign words that you have to learn through the reading of the story. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, um, it feels like the names of the people to just like very much struck a, like, let's say Wakanda vibe. I'm going to get totally yelled at about this i'm sure but like i described this book as people who live in wakanda if wakanda sucked because there's a giant cast oh. there's a giant cast system there's a war going on all the time that's been happening for the last 186 years you know like if 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 the people of you know the people in wakanda are like super enlightened and stuff and, and these people are not but it, it's like that you have um definitely african inspired names the the environment that they're living in is is decidedly African. Um, and, and the people are described in a way that definitely implies that they are um, people of color, mm -hmm. which I, I, agree. I actually really loved about this book. It's one of the things that made me really interested in it. And despite the fact that it's not a book that I would have normally like picked up and read because I don't usually pick up high fantasy and I don't like books about war generally, <laughs> I loved this book largely because it provided a completely different setting and environment than I was used to. It was a really, really cool read. Like it was a very kind of like refreshing take on themes that I've otherwise seen before. At its heart, this is a revenge story. Yeah. Once we our our main character has had his unfortunate interactions with the nobles that leads to the death of his father, he swears revenge on the people who caused that to happen. And that's basically the the majority of the book is this revenge story well, like, which I heard but it was neat to see it said in a different way it's more of a training sequence really it's the opposite of a montage <laughs> because you actually have to suffer through every single thing he suffers through in order to get to the revenge part the you know the revenge part is at the very end of the book or not because it's a cliffhanger <sighs> Um, <laughs> I'll go off about that later. It's it's the setup for the revenge, like it's all the training that he does, and that, and that's that's another thing I actually really loved about this book. It wasn't Harry Potter. It wasn't he he's a chosen one, and he's just automatically really good at everything. No, you watch this dude suffer for every advantage he has. You watch him train harder. You watch him do incredible feats of idiocy in order to train harder, including mm -hmm. going to the underworld in order to battle demons because time passes differently there. So you can train a lot more in a shorter amount of time if you battle demons, which can't hurt you in the physical world, but can hurt you emotionally. So he spends yeah. all of his energy training to get better. So when he's a better fighter than everyone else, it wasn't a gift. Like he earned that. And I thought that was an amazing plot device in this book. Yeah, no, I, I really love how they did that. Although I've got to say it totally reminded me of something else that does almost the same thing. Did you ever watch Dragon Ball Z? 
No. No, that's fair. Totally fair. That's fine. But I, I was definitely a little bit of an anime kid. And they have kind of a similar concept of you can go to this other place and be out of time. Oh, that's cool. Like out of normal time, which mm-hmm. means that you can spend a, a year training yeah, and pop on back out and be suddenly a year's worth of training better. I thought it was very much like you know? Doctor Strange like that. Because in Doctor Strange, you can like wall yourself off or whatever and then do your training there and time passes differently. So, (laughs) But it it wasn't gifted to him by any standard. He earned it. And I was like, that's great. Because usually books are about like, you're special. You're a wizard, Harry. But like, this is not that, which was great. No, I absolutely agree. Like 100% of his prowess and um, I guess I would say extreme skill as you get towards the end of the book is completely and utterly earned. Yeah. None of it is talent. It is absolutely hard work. All right. So do you have any uh, favorite characters or parts, places, things that you liked about this book? Part of me is curious to just see the setting. This would be so cool to see as either an illustrated book. Like I, I want I want to see these villages and cities that are talked about. I feel like it'd be just cool. It, it'd be something different than what I've seen before, which is part of why I'm like, show it to me <laughs> character wise i don't know this might kind of fit in with the whole like who would you want to sit with for tea mm-hmm. question that we always do yeah. <laughs> which is uh, zuri who we've only very briefly mentioned zuri is his the main character's tao's love interest sort of yeah, yeah no i'm gonna go ahead and just say flat out she's his love oh interest. yeah they've been like hooking not hooking up but like flirting for a long time yeah, they kind of start out flirting and they do eventually hook up. It's very exciting. And <laughs> she seems like I would love to hear about how her her training as a gifted works. I'm such a sucker for magic systems. So there's a big part of me that's like, tell me more about how being a gifted works. Tell me more about how going to the, the shadow realm and all of that. I want to know more. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I feel like that would be a really cool conversation. Yeah, I feel like the thing I would want to see is what the the underworld looks like. I I want to know what the demons are. There's also weird animals in the world. So there's horses and humans and like normal things and people live in houses and there are military installations and stuff like that that are I assume I don't know what they would be built out of uh, given the resources they had when they landed because there wasn't very much right Mm -hmm. but anyway there's also like weird six-legged blue animals that people ride and you're like can I can I know what that what is that some Star Wars thing like what does that look like and then he goes to the underworld and battles demons and every single demon is different and weird and crazy and I'm like what do those look like Because the descriptions in the book are definitely like enough for you to move on, but they are not by any standard complete. And let me just tell you, I really appreciate that about this writing. It's not Steinbeck style. It's like it moves the story. This story hauls too. That's a thing about it that I think was really awesome is that it, it moves along. So you do get like glimpses of places and descriptions, but they're not super fleshed out, which makes me also want to see this in sort of a Vista panorama style. I want to know what it looks like. I wish it was a movie. I also I also would like to know his, his friends. The f- people he's chosen to hang out with and fight with each one of them as a person seems really interesting and very creatively written and they all have their different strengths and weaknesses and and they're very clearly defined and I would love to see what they actually look like 
and the bad guys. I want to know. Well, the, they are the bad guys, but the bad guys to them are called the, <laughs> called the Hadeni. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I want to know what they look like because they are described as distinctly different. There is a thing that I have to say about that, though. At one point, one of the Hadeni turns around and says, you don't even know what we are yet. And then they just drop that. Like they never discuss it again. And that that niggled me in the back of my head for the entire book was I was like, what does that mean? What are you? I don't want to know about anything else but that. <laughs> I just need to know. That's what gets you to read the second book. No, because now I'm mad that that he didn't <laughs> he um, didn't include. A, well, a there's a cliffhanger ending, and b he didn't actually he put that down really violently. Actually, like it was it was in a very pin- pivotal scene in the in the story, and he put it there very specifically, and then never picked it back up. And I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Part of what makes me love this book and and any book, I love a good plot twist or rather maybe reframing of information that you didn't realize. So this this does it, I think, really beautifully. Yeah. Because they explain that there's these dragons that the uh, plot twist there's uh, no dragons are able to (laughs) there is there is but anyways they can sort of control the dragons which is what we're introduced to in the very very beginning scene and then towards the end they they start revealing more information about how they're like keeping one of the like baby dragons hostage which makes it so that they can control the adult dragon but only sort of they also imply that their their hostage situation with the baby dragon is what's causing all the land devastation for for all of these poor people who've been living here forever. Uh, it's it's really interesting how they kind of show that oh all of the problems with this land have been because you guys arrived. Yeah, and because they are. The thing about the control is that these people have specific powers that let them communicate with the dragons and communicate with each other and control each other. One of the things I actually really love is that it's a a woman-centric book also. It's interesting because it's written by men, but it's a queendom. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. the highest people that you could be are these chosen who are women who can control the dragons, but they can also enrage the men while they're fighting. They can take the other fighters out of commission by by pushing them into the underworld. They can do all of these crazy things, but only women are capable of doing this. And only specific women are capable of doing this. And it doesn't really matter what caste you're in or what class you are. It's a, it's a thing that women in some percentage are able to do, which I find really, really fascinating about it. But anyway, th- these women are holding this baby dragon hostage, essentially. And nobody knows about it in the entire city, except the upper echelon of the nobility and like the queen and stuff like that. And that baby dragon can be used to call Mm -hmm. what is called the rage of dragons, which is the name of the book, which is like what I think of as like a pod of dragons, you know, just like a grouping. And it's that the mom wants to find the baby. Yeah. Um, Another plot twist that I thought was super interesting was there's a leadership plot twist in which there is a, a coup that happens or attempts to happen in the story that you don't really see coming where the general of the entire situation tries to kick the queen out because the queen wants to sue for peace. And um, 
she secretly goes and sends she doesn't go she sends mission uh, a, she sends a squad of people to go and uh, discuss peace terms with the military leader of the the other side the Hadeni and they agree to peace terms and before that can happen she has to convince her counselors that this is the way to go and in that middle ground there's a plot twist where the general is like I'm not having that and tries to take her out of commission and install her sister as the queen and the fighters under that general who have been trained to obey that man have to make a decision and and all the fighters who are by the way lessers well not all of them are lessers but all the fighters that we know about <laughs> are lessers they have to make a decision on whether or not to save their queen or to follow their general yeah i mean one could say that this book has kind of two really major plot threads you have the whole revenge plot line of tau our main character trying to get revenge for the uh, killing of his father and then woven in with it is this story of kind of a, a huge societal change like they say from the beginning various characters like oh so and so his father was killed because he uh shamed or embarrassed you know the something rather and they, they talk about these little things and it's only towards the end that you realize that oh he was killed because he suggested surrendering and trying trying to change their political war situation that they're in uh it's it's just really interesting as you get further along how much of the story kind of ties together and also there's this realization that this entire society is built upon warfare because that's what they did for 186 years and so if they sue for peace what happens to all those people right and if they sue to pee for peace the nobility don't get to be the nobility anymore because they are now subservient to the Hadeni. And so do they have to start working? And so it's in their best interest, though it's in the best interest of the nobility to keep things status quo as much as possible and keep fighting and keep tossing lessers into the fire pit in order to do that. And the lessers are starting to realize what's going on and starting to get cranky about it, which is I think the next book comes out in September, by the way. Oh, yeah. Just FYI. Just saying. Although I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we talk about um, things you loved about this book that we have not already mentioned? I feel like we very briefly maybe kind of mentioned the narrator of the audiobook. He's so good. So good. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if you are thinking about purchasing this and you haven't already like read it, audiobook's not a bad way to go. I mean, aside from the glossary thing. Yeah. Just I mean, I didn't have one. And it, it was fine. I didn't. I read it. I listened to it without a glossary and I survived. So it's fine. <laughs> I, honestly, it was really refreshing to read a, not about white people. One of the cool things that I really loved about this was I read a little bit from the author who is who's talking about why he wrote this book and the story that he wrote. And one of the things I really loved was he talked about that he wrote it for his son and that he grew up reading fantasy books and loving them and loving the stories, but feeling like he wasn't in them and that no one that looked like him was in them. And that's part of why he wrote this story was because he wanted to have a book, a fantasy book that felt like it was for him and people that looked like him and for for his son for his children so that they could also feel like there was a story that was including them that's really sweet i love that that makes me happy inside okay should we move on to things we didn't love about this book i mean i've talked about a bunch of them i think the the only thing i haven't mentioned is that 
it's real violent, kids. It's battle sequence after battle sequence after fight sequence after thinking about fight sequence after battle sequence. Kiss the girl. Battle sequence, battle sequence, battle sequence, cliffhanger. And you're like, what? So it's not a book I would have normally read. I would never have picked this up and been like, yeah, I want to read about a bunch of battles. That's not that's not my to- my normal jam. It does seem in that way kind of like a, I'm going to be sexist here and say a boy book in that it's just fight, 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 fight. It's also a thing like this is why I have, I'm really picky about my DMs when I play Dungeons and Dragons because I don't like just let's set up a battle sequence and then click loot. Let's set up a battle sequence and click. I mean, I want mm-hmm. puzzles. I want intrigue. I want whatever. There was political intrigue in this. So that was good. Like I liked that, but <laughs> that was just woven into battle sequences. So like literally they're running to siege a tower and explaining the political significance <laughs> of what's going on. So eh. it is, it is a lot. I will say though, that even though it's um, a lot, a lot, it was good. It was really well written. It was compelling. It moved quickly. I didn't hate the battle sequences. They are <laughs> real violent, but it's not gross. Like there's nothing super disgusting about it other than I don't like it when people throw up and he does that a couple times. But it's not it <laughs> it's a lot of battle, but it's not over the top battle, which is great. So, it is very compelling and I'm I'm very glad we decided to read this book because it's something I would not have picked up on my own yeah like i think you were like sending me rage texts halfway through the book being like why is it still fighting it's still fighting i started you're not done yet i started rage texting you after the prologue yeah so it's (laughs) the book is very much mostly fighting and i i was kind of thinking about that a little bit and i considered that this is such a a war and military-based society your worth in this society is based on whether or not you make it into their military and how well you do there and that determines literally your your caste's position for the rest of your life right like it's so strongly fighting focused and that's that's how the society is and it kind of made me think that like what would this look like in our society and i think the answer is what is this is this book only about school you go to school when you're a kid, and then you go to school when you're a teen, and then you go to a school again when you're an adult. What is this? And that determines your place in life. And it yeah, was an totally. kind of moment when I thought about, ah, our story would also be kind of singularly focused. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. One thing I will say about this caste system that is kind of awesome is that it's not hereditary. Like, whatever your father is does not determine what you will be. And whatever your mother is does not determine whatever you will be. Your lot in life is determined by your own skills, your own dedication to learning to fight, your own, all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was an interesting take on the caste system, which is not normal. Normally, your family line is in a specific caste, and that is where you live. And it's super deterministic for everyone from then on. But this one isn't like that. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah, I mean, within reason. I, I think that the movement between lower or the lesser and the noble is that's kind of a hard line well it's because it's genetic to them like they think it's yeah yeah but movement within your either lower or upper class system is a little bit more fluid yeah is there anything that really bothered you about the book other than that i don't know i think i mentioned to you once that i'm not a super big fan of how very early on in the story there's a character that is sexually assaulted off screen off off 
page. <laughs> like we don't see it happen. We're just told about it afterwards. The only reason it's there is to make it so that a bunch of other male, male characters fight about it. And a while I was reading these scenes, I was like, why, why did it have to be rape? Why couldn't it have been one of these characters stole food? Because yeah. that would have created the exact same conflict. Yeah. Literally the exact same problem. Don't use like sexual assault as a plot device, men. Please. Please. Yeah. Like, don't just, do that. Rape in any story is one of my least favorite things. Yeah. I would just rather you not. And I understand that sometimes it's particularly a part of the story that the author is trying to tell. In this case, I feel like it could have been very easily replaced with something else. Yeah. That's that's a gripe I have. I fully agree. Alrighty. Are you ready to wrap it up and give it a rating? Yeah, let's go. All right. What's your rating? Let's do four cups of mas mas. I rather oh. enjoyed this. I'm gonna give it a four point five. Like I liked it. I for all of my rage texts, and let me just tell you, it took me a long time to read this book. It was sixteen hours. I had a lot of stuff going on, so I was reading it in small chunks. I rage text Morgan probably twice a day for at least two weeks. Like, <laughs> so for me to give it a 4.5 should say something, right? And I was real mad when it was a cliffhanger. Like that revenge does not actuate. Just just you all should know that. If you haven't read it yet, you should know that. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to read that second book. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm still giving it a 4.5. 4, 4. I think it was really well written. I think to make me like a book about war takes a very good writer. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think this is worth a reread, Morgan? I mean, yes, but then again, I've literally already reread it. Yep. Uh, because, be especially because of those foreign terms, it can definitely be a little bit tricky to pick up on the nuance of what they're trying to say when uh, different classes are being talked about and how that affects this interaction that two characters are having with each other. And once you get to the end and you you realize the implication of how the, the dragons have been cursing the land basically for these people for almost 200 years i found it very helpful <laughs> to go back and give it a quick second read through and it just gave a lot of things more perspective yeah i think i would reread it also and i would i would probably reread it soonish i don't i don't know if i will necessarily do that real quick right here but i do think it's worth doing that for sure would you recommend this to a friend yeah i mean i think i would warn them that it is it's kind of a coming of age fighting military story but it has a really cool setting uh and is well written you know i i would absolutely recommend it yeah i, I would also i feel like i would make sure that the person how do you feel about battle sequences and do you <laughs> do you need there to actually be dragons um <laughs> so just just so you guys know there's dragons at the beginning of the book and there's dragons at the end of the book and that's it if there were other books in this series which there will be are you intending on reading them? I think so. Like I'm I tend to be a big series reader. If I have put the effort into reading the first book, to some extent I usually want to go ahead and read read the reread, first time read the rest of them. And, you know, I realize that's not quite possible yet, but once it is, yeah, I'll totally put it on my my wish list and and buy it the next time I'm looking for a book to read. Cool. Um okay, so I'm real mad about this cliffhanger. I'm real mad about the dragons. Let's just say that. <laughs> but I will say I will probably read the second book. If this was a book about white people in a normal like white person story and not such a a cool way to showcase p 
people in the way that people should be showcased, like authors, I probably would have dropped it because there's a million freaking fantasy books about white people where I could get way more gratification out of the end of this book. But I'm kind of hooked and I think it's awesome and I, I would love to support this author in general and I think he's a great writer and I now I, I want to know if he gets the revenge also, like not going to lie. It's a plot device that I hate and I also got hoodwinked by it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speed round. You ready? Let's go. Okay. If this book were turned into a dragon, describe that dragon. Oh, oh, fascinating. I feel like it would need to be a desert dragon. Mm -hmm. uh, full of uh, like sandy colored scales, uh, very dry powers based. I mean, fire. Maybe that's just because the dragons in this book have fire, but you know, that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, and I, I feel like they would just decimate everything around them, like these dragons have. They're ragey. <laughs> uh, if this book were a food, what food would it be? Oh. Cactus is my first thought, but maybe that's just because of the whole like must must theme that I've apparently really glommed onto. Cactus is tasty, actually. Yeah, you can grow cactus. I don't know it's that delicious. I've had it. It's delicious. Well, I mean, some, I mean, not all cactus, but some cactus is delicious. <laughs> uh, if Tao were not a fighter, what job would he have? In this society? <laughs> Let me just say this book, there is no choice that Tao is not a fighter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only option, right. essentially, right? So what would his job Gosh. be? Gosh. Uh, in, so I need I need con need context. Is it going to be in this book or is it going to be like in our world? Uh, let's just say in in this book. Darn. Okay, I had a better answer for <laughs> okay. the other one. Give me the other one first, then. <laughs> Give me both. Uh, sure. So I feel like in our world, he would be that guy that finds a reason to focus super hard on studying. Yeah. Like, and maybe there'll be some sort of similar origin story. Maybe something, a close relative passes away and like, you know, promise me you're going to do good in school. I've set aside payment. Like he'll, he'll find a reason, an internal reason to be hella good at school. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what I picture. And I don't know, engineering, maybe you can, you can like be a road scholar. Yeah. Ooh, something fancy. Yeah. In this world, Gosh, they don't really tell us a lot about what other positions there are. I know that there must be merchant classes of some kind. Yep. So if he didn't become a drudge through like failing out of military service, let's say let's say his plan works, right? Near the beginning of the book, he talks about how he wants to go to military training, pass it so that he gets that rank, and then like just kind of injure himself. So that he can come back home and not actually have to go to the front lines where he'll very likely die, right? This is like the Vietnam War story of like <laughs> people shooting themselves in the knees. Yeah. So let's say that he did that and he actually did come back and Zuri didn't become gifted and he marries Zuri and they have a, a couple of kids. What job would he do? I don't Maybe he would also train local boys for their, their next time. Like in this story, that feels like the best fit. I thought he would be a massage therapist. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> I don't know why. I have no reason for that. I just like, I get massage therapy vibes because he's so like quiet and he just into his jam and into his work and he's strong. So like, that seems like a great massage therapist. Yeah, I, I would get a massage. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. If you could change anything about this book, what would you change? I think I would have loved to see more of the gifted and other women's work so to speak so you know gifted are those kind of high you know they have magical powers women that any possible woman could get if she happens to have said powers but 
I'd love to learn more about them and other groups of women and what they do. They really don't talk about because the women don't join the military. For all of this conversation about this is a military society and they that's how you determine rank and what have you, they they really don't tell us a lot about what women do if except not the queen or gifted. Except the Hadeni. The Hadeni have women fighters. And that's like it's true. alarming to them. Yeah. I don't I, I guess if another thing I'd love to change is I'd love to see more of the Hadeni. I'd like I'd yeah. I'd be cool if we had more from their point of view. Yeah, for sure. The question I always ask, three words to describe this book, and you can't use the word dragon. Fair enough, I won't. Uh, Let's go with war, fight, battle. (laughs) Those are appropriate words, for sure. Um, All right. Do we have any general conclusions about this book? I mean, I I liked it. I thought it was great. It was really well written. The author is good. Like It's worth a read, guys. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. It's kind of interesting that we we both experienced a little bit of that that fatigue, that kind of like mm, not being able to necessarily want to keep diving on after the first, I don't know, 10%, 15%. Yeah. And what's fascinating is I was, as I was looking for information about the author, I happened upon a few more reviews of the book and, it, you know, I'm always curious to see what other folks say about it. And it was a pretty common complaint that people had is that the the first bit of the book after the prologue, you go from this awesome dragon queen situation to this boy in a village and something about that transition maybe is just a little bit lackluster. So it's very easy to be like, eh, this isn't that interesting. If you keep with it, I promise it'll get more interesting. Watching, reading his training montage is interesting once you're into it. But that it just you might need to push past that initial kind of lull. Yeah. It's a slow roll into the mechanics of the universe, basically. You you hit a little bit of a brick wall and it's a hard transition from the prologue to the I don't know. There's there is some places in which i would say that prologue is not necessary yeah i don't know i feel like it was fascinating in in that way once you've learned more you're like oh my god those things that happened in the prologue that means this like (laughs) you know what i mean it's interesting to get that backstory and one of the things that stuck with me was in the book they describe how like oh the the hedeni burned this land because they didn't want us to be able to interact with the animals here it's like no your queen burned the land with a dragon when she first got here. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Morgan, what are we reading next? We are going to go ahead and read Changeling by Molly Harper. I am so excited. It sounds like a really fun book. Yeah. So backstory, this is this is a For Noel book, I bet, because I put it on the list. Um, I love Molly Harper. If you guys want like a fun, it, it's, it is a definitely urban fantasy She's an urban fantasy type writer, um, very like Sookie Stackhouse-y kind of situation, mm-hmm. but even cuter and, and not like True Blood, the TV show, which was nothing like the books, guys. I mean, the general plot points were the same, but like those characters are entirely different people in the books and the books are better. But Molly Harper is like the cutest Southern candy writer of of urban fantasy ever. And I 
absolutely love her narrator. Her narrator is Amanda Ronconi, and I will listen to any book that Amanda Ronconi reads. And I don't know what it is about her voice, but the way she reads stuff and the way she does male characters and the way she does female characters, I just love her. She's the cutest. So I'm super hyped about this. And I actually, this is one Molly Harper book I haven't read. Nice. I'm really into it. I'm, I'm looking forward to picking this up. Excellent. All right, guys, it's homework time. Please go and rate this book on your purchase platform. If you read it or if you listen to it or whatever, give it a rating. It's really helpful to authors, especially um, we want to support authors of color for sure. So make sure you help this book out. I would also love it if you would go to this the location of this podcast and go ahead and rate that and follow us on Instagram at ladies who genre, all one word. I just told you a story about something I knew. I make up new words for it every time.